Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. My voice started changing pretty rapidly. Your voice is what puts you there, not your gender. A choir is a symphony of voices. Those voices you're hearing now are from the members of the Black Tulip Chorale. The group has everything you'd expect from a collection of singers, the booming basses, the soaring sopranos, and those pristine harmonies. But there's more to these singers than just their voices. This Sunday, Black Tulip Chorale celebrates its fifth anniversary with a performance at the First Presbyterian Church of Kirkwood. And now to talk about that milestone and why this group isn't like other choirs, we welcome a founding member of the Black Tulip Chorale, Dr. Ken Haller. Ken, thank you so much for being here. Danny, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Ken, we're just listening to the the last notes um, and and verses of the song, Oh My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a performance from 2018, the year that Black Tulip was founded. So tell us about this group's origins and and how you came to be part of it. Right. Well, when uh, I have sung in choral organizations for over three decades now, and they have mostly been what are called TTBB or tenor, 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 uh, baritone bass, so or you know the the bass uh, clef, but um, you know I I uh, you know wanted another challenge, uh, a, a mixed chorus, and Robert Stumpf, who founded the Black Tulip Chorale, his idea was to start a full vocal organization, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, SATB, but to add a little twist to it. Mm-hmm. Usually in an SATB chorus, the sopranos and altos are women and the tenors and basses are men, and they identify as that way, and that's the way it is, and that's how people are are segregated into uh, vocal parts. But his idea was, you know, there are a lot of people who don't fit in that dichotomy between male and female, people who are transgender, people who are gender fluid. Uh, Sometimes even cisgender people have voices that do not fit into a male or female stereotypic uh, range, and so, he said, how about we have an SATB choral organization that is for the entire LGBTQ community, and your vocal positioning in the chorus, your voice is what puts you there, not mm-hmm. your gender. So one of the things about, especially Oh My Love's Like a Red, Red Rose, which is based on a two-century-old poem introduced by Robert Burns, that was the very first song we sang. And any and that was the very <laughs> that recording was the very first time wow. we sang it in public, so I thought we sounded pretty good for a brand new organization. But <clears throat> what was really significant about it for me was that whenever you read this poem, whenever you hear this song, you would think it is about a cisgender man singing to a cisgender woman. But if you see the Black Tool of Corral and see the diversity of genders, gender expression. Uh, even ethnicity and and culture on our stage, it invites the audience to broaden their idea of what lo- love is and how love expresses itself. That's such a beautiful sentiment. Thank and, you. And I, sh- I should mention, you know, that there are uh, a number of inclusive choruses in St. Louis. Right. There's the Gateway Men's Chorus, the St. Louis Women's Chorale, and there's uh, a Charis uh, chorus. Uh, Charis. Charis, excuse yes. me, for women and non-binary people. 
But Black Tulip, it sounds like you really threw a lot of the maybe the, the structure and some of the paradigms that people expect when they come to a chorale or a chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a bit about, you know, w- was it difficult making that transition of, of really, you know, throwing the pieces up in the air, the tenors and the baritones and saying <laughs> they should be where their voices place them? Uh, it was actually surprisingly easy. There were a lot of people who had not uh, who had wanted to sing. Uh, who did not fit into the gender binary, who just, you know, often said, I haven't found a place, a choral organization that, where I feel comfortable. And so there were people who were really, really clamoring for this and really wanted to be part of the Black Tulip Chorale. So uh, when we've grown, when we first, that when we sang that first uh, concert, we had 26 members. At this concert, we'll have, I think, about 45 singers on stage. So uh, it has it has been something that, that has really appealed to the imagination of a lot of people in the creative community. And and uh, you don't have to be LGBTQ either. We have a lot of folks who are, who are uh, cisgender and uh, heterosexual and are just thrilled to be part of this and, and supporting our community in, a, in an organization that creates, I feel, really beautiful music. Yeah, and Ken, maybe we can just take a second on on the jargon here. I know we're mm-hmm. talking about a chorale, but you know, folks may be more familiar with a chorus or a choir. Is right. is there is there any difference of what a chorale is? A chorale is uh, sort of a fancy way of saying chorus. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> choir, chorale, and and chorus all come from the same root. I believe it's a Latin root. Interesting. I mean, we generally think of choirs as being more church associated. Uh, and the others are more community associated. But what's interesting is that root. We think of them as as organizations that sing, but really the the root of chorus, chorale, and choir all mean to gather together. And it's about bringing a community together. Uh, just and and actually a chorale that you would put horses in is comes from the same root. It means bringing together. And so a chorale is a place for people to come together to make music where all voices can be heard. Now, you, I think you just mentioned that the number the number of singers you have has has doubled or or, or right. more. Pretty much, pretty much doubled. Yeah. What uh, what kind of difference is that? I've not sung, uh, you know participated in this kind of of chorus, but it just to have you know double the voices, double the layers. Is that is that more difficult to practice with, or is it does it just feel better to have that many people with you? It's it's really nice to have that many people on stage uh, to uh, to just have that many voices around you supporting you, singing in your sections. Uh, that can be very helpful. If I'm a little bit shaky on something, I can say, oh, that person knows what they're singing. I will sing like them. Um, you know, one of the things that Robert talks about when he's conducting us is to sing, you know, is to uh, create what's called uno voce, one voice in each section, so that we all have that same vocal quality, but we have many more voices producing it, and then harmonies across those those uh, sections. So, And one other thing is that we have people with really varying levels of vocal uh, proficiency and experience. We have people who are just starting out in choral music and others who've been doing it for decades. And Robert is just, he's just a really excellent teacher and mentor and someone who can say, this is the best place for you, and this is what we'd want you to sing, and this is how we feel you will sound best and, and contribute to our to our sound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ken, let's talk about, you know, that role of, of vocal inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, earlier this week, I spoke with one of your fellow chorus members, right. Grayson Rosen. And, and Grayson talked to me about what it means to be part of this kind of queer chorus and finding his place and his voice after transitioning. I started singing in high school and continued singing through college, uh, mostly as a second soprano. 
and uh, kind of wandered away from singing as an adult. But when I came out as trans, my voice started changing pretty rapidly from taking testosterone. Uh, that drop was uh, dramatic and exciting, uh, but also a little distressing with thinking about how much I had loved singing and not really knowing how to use my voice anymore. Um, and a friend of mine who knew how much I liked singing mentioned this black tulip chorale that I hadn't been familiar with. I showed up for an open rehearsal at the beginning of their season, and the conductor just had me sing some scales to figure out where my range was. Um, he placed me in the bass section, and the basses were great. They were, you know, come on in, and um, it was still a long process of figuring out how to sing in that new register um, of dealing with the voice breaks that come with any testosterone puberty. Um, but it was really, really meaningful to be able to find a group that made space for me, that affirmed my gender identity, and really helped me find my voice again. That was Grayson Rosen of the Black Tulip Chorale, and we're talking today with Dr. Ken Haller, a founding member of the Black Tulip Chorale, which is celebrating its fifth anniversary this weekend as St. Louis's first all-inclusive LGBTQ mixed-voice chorus. Ken, you know, hearing Grayson talk mm-hmm. about finding his voice again, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it seems so so significant, but I'm, I, I wonder if any other kind of chorus, any other kind of chorale, if, if someone like Grayson went through their voice changing, uh, either whether it was transitioning or maybe from you know some kind of other change, would someone like that have to step away? That that depends on the organization. I will say the organizations you mentioned earlier, the, the Gateway Men's Chorus, Caris, the St. Louis Women's uh, uh, Choir, um, that uh, my understanding is that they have all, they are all working Around these things and and making this part of who they are in their in their vocal ranges, the two, uh, Karis and, and the women's chorus being soprano alto and gateway men's chorus being tenor bass, uh, but they now have members who are going through these transitions, and it is something that that as Grayson says can be kind of disconcerting, but is ultimately a very joyful thing. And if you can find a place, an artistic home, where you can be fully yourself in your voice as you've always imagined your voice would be, that's just an incredibly healing experience. You know, Ken, this, you know, I, w- I want to ask, you know, about choruses and choirs. Mm-hmm. These are very old, traditional musical structures. And right. a lot of them come from church settings. And, and I've, I've listened to choirs in, in churches before. Mm-hmm. And there's so much structure and there's so much hierarchy. Is, this, is there a tension here uh, when you have a group like the Black Tool Chorale that is trying to reformat that and maybe rise above it? How, how do you n- navigate that when this form is something that is so old and, and so beloved? Well, I think that anyone who comes into a, a, a choral organization has to understand that they are going – singing in a choral organization is very different from solo singing. And I do solo singing. I've been you know, very uh, happy to do that. Uh, but I know that my vocal quality is very different. I have to match the other people in my section. They have to match me. So I can't just go off on a riff like this and you know, do a lot of melisma and stuff like that. Uh, as Robert says, you know, always watch Robert. <laughs> so we have to watch what he's doing. And there are some people who, you know, frankly, that may not be a fit for them. But I will also say that I have learned so much about 
my voice, about vocal production, about about breathing, about the things that are important to uh, to make my voice work, not just in a choral setting, but in any setting, that my experience with both the Gateway Men's Chorus for years and now for the past five years with Black Tulip Chorale has been invaluable to me. Um, and, and yes, it can be hierarchical, but, you know, it, it, the conductor, uh, Robert, uh, he, he is someone who has... Uh, this is his life. He has a degree in choral conducting, and he knows what he's doing. And, and I am you know, constantly amazed at, at the things I learn every week in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, as you said, you know, that that goal of attaining that one voice feel, there's mm-hmm. so many individual pieces and and so much, you know, doesn't have to do with your own voice. You have to listen to others. Right. Um, and I want to talk a bit about the performance that's happening this weekend on Sunday, um, the one that marks your group's fifth anniversary. Right. And part of the concept of this performance, as you've told me, is that you're linking music to these landmark moments in LGBTQ history, mm-hmm. um, and that, that creates part of the format here. Tell us about that and, and some of those connections that you're making between history and music. Right. Well, one of the songs that we are doing is, um, uh, that, that a quartet is doing is uh, Mendelssohn's Thou Lord Our Refuge. And the reason we're doing that is that that was the first song that was performed by the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus in 1978, which is now, I guess, 45 years ago. And unfortunately, the reason they performed it, that was their first song, is that was uh, performed uh, the night that um, Harvey Milk and George Moscone were assassinated. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional about that. Um, uh, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus had just formed a few weeks before that. And they were in rehearsal. They heard about this. They heard there was going to be a, a rally on the steps of City Hall in San Francisco. So they went down there and they sang this song there. And it's just a perfect song for a memorial. It was also the kind of thing that brought focus to the crowd and allowed them to find a way to express their, their grief over what had happened. Um, there are other uh, anniversaries that we're celebrating. We're celebrating the 30th anniversary of uh, Minnesota being the first state to add gender identity to their non-discrimination uh, uh, protected categories, which is, uh, you know, is, is one of those very joyous things in our community. Um, so uh, we have, uh, and, and again, our, we're celebrating our own fifth anniversary by, by bringing back um, Oh My Love's Like a Red, Red Rose. Uh, so, uh, and of course, we will be singing Over the Rainbow because that is the mm. LGBTQ national anthem. <laughs> you know, this, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, a national anthem for mm-hmm. LGBTQ. And it, it just strikes me that, you, you know, this history is so much of something that is constantly being pushed in the shadows or mm-hmm. beaten back. You know, the, the assassination of, of, uh, of Harvey Milk, um, you, know, pre- mm-hmm. you know, preceding this moment of, of communal music. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's a very difficult time now for right, LGBTQ right. people. Do you find this music as as a kind of escape or perhaps a way to feel these feelings even more sharply? You know, I um, you know as you as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm I'm a doctor, I'm a pediatrician, and um, I am very privileged to be in a healing profession. But I also feel that music is something that is incredibly healing. So what music, especially in a concert like the one we're doing Sunday, does, it is both something that is a um, something that is healing to the soul, that lets us know that no matter what is happening in the current climate, no matter how many slings and arrows we are being forced to to deal with, 
that there are these eternal things, these eternal moments of beauty that, that we will always have with us and that we can create this. It is also the kind of thing that reminds us that we have been through these things before. It spans generations, right. and it, it's one right. that it sounds like you're bringing both from the history and to a moment uh, that feels like it's echoing that history right now. Exactly. Dr. Ken Haller, thank you so much for being here and for talking to us about the Black Tool of Corral, St. Louis's first LGBTQ mixed chorus. Uh, and Ken will be among those on stage Sunday for the group's fifth anniversary concert, and we will have more information about that concert on our website at stlonair.show. Ken, thank you for being here. Danny, thank you so much. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.